I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland international and adopted Frenchman, Johnny Beattie, and former France international, Benjamin Kayser. The Grand Slam is very much still on after the weekend, after France put their recent Scottish problems behind them. Uh. We'll pick the bones out of that one and look at where we're at in the championship as a whole after round three, as well as taking a little bit of a look at the top 14 later on as well. But you two were both out and about the weekend, so Benji, you weren't at Murrayfield, where were you? I was at Twickenham extremely boring first 40. I think I would have left the stadium if I didn't have a professional commitment. And the second half was actually great. How good was Toby Falatai, by the way? For a guy that hasn't played watching him, I was like, that guy is a freak. His qualities, got good hands. He runs all day. You could tell Wales are desperately missing, uh, I don't know, Ken Owens in the middle, Alwyn Jones, obviously, possibly a, a full tilt, um, John Fox Davis in the centre. But bloody hell, just having Falitao in the middle already there was, was really, really big for them. Um, and he, just world-class guys. I don't, I can't remember who said it during the week because he hasn't played much rugby. It's like when you're that good, when you're that world-class standards, you don't need a lot of rugby. You just pick it up and you go a bit like what I think. Oh yeah, it was Ryan Jones who was saying that because he was comparing how Alwyn just bounced back straight into the Lions squad after being injured and all that. It's true when you're that that good. That, that probably was what defined the guys from top international level to absolutely world-class standards, and that's what he is. Enough of England Wales. You were at Murrayfield, Johnny. <laughs> Yeah. And everyone was asking about Benji out here. <laughs> yeah, mate, you would have absolutely loved it. I'm not going to lie. Like, weirdly, I arrived on Thursday and it was snowing. But as I arrived in the snow, there was Frenchmen everywhere, like berries on top, but kilts on. It was amazing. There was just, there was hundreds and thousands of them all around Edinburgh, all around the city centre, all around Murrayfield. I did the 20s game on Friday night. And just like they were all dressed like that, freezing their nuts off with a can of iron brew in one hand and a can of tenants in the other hand, having the time of their life. So it was class. But everywhere I went, everyone was like, where's Benji? Why is Benji not here? That was all they wanted to know. So they were disappointed you ran at Twickenham. And then on Saturday, I did the big game, which was awesome for some reasons, disappointing for other other ones. But again, I spent a day with Big Basta, Matthew Bastaro, um, doing hospitality together. And again, I did not realize how much of a deal that guy was. I mean, I knew I've played against him, but I have never taken more photos in my life <laughs> than on Saturday. And this is like Glasgow Warriors fans, Scottish rugby fans are passing me a camera and be like, Johnny, Johnny, can you take a photo? Thinking I might be in them. Not one, every single photo. But again, one of the loveliest guys that you could meet in world rugby, like a proper gent. I absolutely loved it. I had a great day with him. We ended up going out for a steak after the game and a glass of wine, um, talking over the game and talking through different stuff, just hoping he comes back from his injury properly and manages to get back. Again, all the hospitality we did was in English. He wants to be a guest whenever he can. He'd love to come join us. And then the pair of us ended up going and meeting all the French boys afterwards, um, which was great. So we ended up in the grass market. I had a few beers with them. Made a great weekend. Absolutely loved it. Apart from Scotland, we're absolutely terrible. It was amazing for French fans <laughs> and a massive win for them. We'll come on to Scotland in a second, Johnny, but the question on everyone's lips... How big was the steak that Bastero at? Well, the thing is, it's a, it was a Scottish restaurant. I'm not going to name where we were, but we probably could have had two or three each. I'm not going to lie. But it was just, mate, when, when town's packed like that, you're just happy to get something to eat. So no, it was more the, the, the quality of the company was outstanding um, and a great evening was had afterwards. It was a, a good day. 
And you know him well, Benji. Not a bad replacement for you, Basta. He was an absolute superstar for uh, for years. And funnily enough, I think he's he's sometimes a bit more loved ab- away from France than he is in France. Maybe of what happened in Wellington, the whole, you know, France-New Zealand sort of aftermath of what happened there that obviously caused him a, lot, a big upset that he took very, very hardly. Uh, but he dealt with it. And so I think since that day, he, tr- he, he went into his shell a little bit and he started hiding a bit. And that's why he thrives so much in Toulon, because in Toulon, he was surrounded by all those foreigners who maybe, you know, shared the love. And I always remember him you know, taking absolutely ages uh, with fans. And he's always been a very generous guy with his time. So uh, mm. like a, I said, a grizzly bear with the media, a grizzly bear with anybody else pretending to be all rough and tough, but the kindest teddy bear you could find with yeah. kids and people and, and whatever, and fans and supporters. And I was, you know, g- um, genuinely lucky enough to to meet him when he was just 18, 19, coming through Massy, getting big, picked. He was third division, picked out of nowhere by Bernard Laporte to go on tour. Uh, the, 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 he was he was superstar from from the get go, and he was just kind and genuine, um, and just let one let you know, let me do my thing, let me let me hide from the spotlight. A real mama's boy, very very close to his mom, who's who's an absolute legend, and just just a, a general top bloke. We look forward to having Bastard on at some point, but we should chat about the game. And as many negatives as there are, we'll start with the positives. France are ticking just about every box at the moment. So did either of you say a 19-point win at Murrayfield coming before the game, though? No, definitely not 19 points. I, I was really... Yeah, if, honestly, if you had to pick between going to Murrayfield and, and Millennium, I would have gone to Millennium, probably easier. I think Amy Watson dropping out what, on Thursday or something for COVID mm. really helped because he's he's a poison and he's so he makes it very, very hard. But I don't want to jinx it. Let's not, not us, boys. Let's, you know, let's, not, <laughs> let's not go that way. But, but, but wow, are they good. There is a big, big moment that we're. Gonna, I'm sure we will speak about, which is just before halftime. And it really is like Gamel. You know, in, in, uh, when you play the baby foot, I don't know how you say that. Yeah, table football. Table football. And when in France, if you score, but you hit it so hard that it bounces back out, it's double points. And that's called a gamelle in, in, in rugby. And that's really what happened when uh, Og drops the ball and Gail Ficou is not, you know, it's like minus seven plus seven. It's almost like 14 points uh, mm-hmm. try. Um, and that's, that's, that's the gamelle. But if that doesn't happen, you just don't know. And, that, and that's what happens to the two top teams. But I mean, we'll speak about the meter moment in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a few minutes. We'll speak about some top performances, but the little man in the middle is just lightning strong and quick. And I don't know where he's going to stop. But my man, Julien Marchand, who sent me a really nice message with, with Johnny in the nights, you know, the early hours of the nights after the game and stuff, saying, I, I finally met a true Scotman. And I was like, yeah, yeah, he's got a French passport, but, you know, <laughs> he is a true Scot. I was blown away by how good he was. Him and Cyril Bay, right? They're taking it to a whole different level. They can run all day. They've got good hands. He's all over the ball. The other one's scrummages. I'm like, poof. It's, it's, and Fabien Galtier, at the end of the game, goes, the reason why Cyril Bay is so good, oh, he's got a good connection with Antoine Dupont on the field. Since when does when you're lucid have a good connection with your nine? Does it change the way that you play? He's like almost talking like, oh yeah, we got um, Mathieu Jalibert. Yeah, he's got a really good connection with Dupont. Mate, you're talking about your lucid prop. That's how influential he is on that French team. He he actually creates everything. The first, what is it? Uh, Willem Cetry, if he, he runs that line absolutely beautifully with the perfect timing. Like, I don't know, he looked like Manonu, you know, when he was running those outside in lines. And he's giving the passes at the right moment. I'm like, whew. Games a 10. Like, he's so comfortable on the ball as a youngster. That's where he, he grew up learning with the ball in his hands, passing, creating. And his timing for a loose head prop. Uh, again, perfect. the athlete after scrummaging, freakish. So, again, there was a big bit on French TV. I saw big Sebastian Chabal was saying, not quite sure now, he might have overtaken Cali. Christian Califano and become the best loose head that has been in the modern generation. You can't argue. Him and Califano are mega, mega close. Don't know if you knew that. Yeah, but they're like best buds, because obviously Califano was uh, a Toulon born, but uh, but but Stade Toulousain, so Toulouse absolute legend, but adores Corsica, and and Cyril Bay goes hunting in Corsica and stuff. And I know for a fact that they're very very close. It's actually a cute story. But he's definitely his idol. And there's pictures of him 20, 20 years apart. You know, one hugging the other and stuff. And now it's the other way around. So it is cute. Two very similar. Uh, body shapes, strong scrummagers, but still very, very quick, and some proper, proper cheeky guys off the pitch that will put, uh, you know, the right smile on everybody's faces in the changing room. Some proper changing room lads. Johnny, did you see it coming? <laughs> um, well, in our, again, we looked at it in such detail with Bernard Jackman. Um, we went through it with Greek. 
Like I had either Scotland were going to win that game by one point or they were going to get trounced. Um, I think you had that they were going to win by one point, yeah? <laughs> but that's the thing. So we did it and I did my predictor and then I was like, even after the Hamish, I was like when Hamish Watson dropped out and then I saw the bench, I was like, there's, there's just no way. But even if Scotland played their perfect game, they'd have been this close to sneaking out the same way they've been the past two years. But then the first 15, 20 minutes, they came out and they played in a way that I just was the complete opposite to anything that I thought they should have done. Again, it was just naive, for want of another word. When you, you look at the quality of Francis D and the pragmatism, the maturity they played with, you know, they drop a ball off to Aldrit, who would pop it to Dupont. Like 22 restarts, they drop Aldrit normally would carry back, but this they just popped it to Dupont, kick it down, Scotland play out, see what you can do against our blitz defence, try. And Scotland did over and over and over again. And we were sitting about five metres from Fabian and Sean, and they were licking their lips. It was meat and drink. They kept carrying back. They kept trying to play between the 15s. They kept running into blitzes, to France's blitz D. They kept getting knocked over behind the game line by bigger men. They kept losing the ball in contact or getting jackaled. And it was easy for France. And that was it. It was one-way traffic. And again, if Melvin Jaminet had knocked over his kicks, it would have been in the high 40s. I think people are forgetting. So I don't think Scotland could have approached the game any worse, um, which pains me to say. And watching it in the up in the commentary gantry, like I found it really hard to watch because not only was it clear that it wasn't working, that they thought they could run through France after New Zealand got absolutely punished, after Ireland got crucified, Scotland thought they could do it better. And it looked insane to me. What I couldn't believe what I was watching. And, and the strange thing was that they didn't even adjust. It couldn't have gone better for France. And it was comprehensive. They absolutely dominated the game. And Scotland tried to play again. You look their third, they tried to play out their third time and time again, and they couldn't get out at all. They refused to kick and France punished them. It honestly was like pants down schoolboy stuff for Scotland. It was bad to watch some of it and I found it quite hard. Is that how you saw it, Benji? Because Johnny laid out his game plan in the last couple of weeks and said, you got to kick him behind France. You got to turn them around. You got to force them into this, into that. They didn't listen. (laughs) And 11 kicks from hand from Scotland in the whole game. They obviously didn't see it in the same way. Were they afraid of France's counter-attack or how did you see it? I think they were definitely afraid of a couple of guys. I think there might have been a bigger influence than you think of losing Hamish Watson. It's almost to think that we we might as well chuck it around and you know and 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 go full tilt in our offensive ability. But you not think that's naive? I think it's naive. I, I think I it's think wrong. I think I, 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 you lose one of your biggest ball carriers. I'm like, you, you kick yeah, more but, ball away. You refuse that physical confrontation even more. Like France, the stats looking back, France kicked 18% of their ball. Scotland kicked three. 3% of their ball against the best defense in the world. Like it's mind blowing. I couldn't believe they didn't kick at all. And they just kept getting smashed backwards, but they couldn't adjust. There was no on-field leadership or a change in strategy. There was no messages from the coaching staff. All right, but Johnny, if Chris Harris doesn't skip two guys and goes through the hands just before halftime, I'm not saying Scotland would have won, but you just don't know what could have happened. So yes, I agree with you. They were naive and maybe it was the wrong strategy. But in the end, I think France forced them to... France, like... The good thing about it, and I don't want to jinx what's happening to France, I definitely don't. But I think they've provoked some some sort of fear in teams, a little bit like when, you know, the top teams, I don't know, think about the All Blacks when they would come over and stuff. You're thinking, I need to actually seize every single opportunity. And then you yeah. overtry, then, then you try too hard, then you, you rip a ball. Yeah. Exactly. And they look panicked. So it's it's more it's 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 more that that, that was the issue, is the panic in their eyes, is the realization that once that opportunity has gone just before halftime, You've got to change strategy. I think it was one of those days that Moefana playing on the wing still played incredibly well and he looked very natural. I don't don't know how many times he's played on the wing for Bordeaux this season. I think barely. Um, I think Jonathan Danti is a bloody monster and he's got good hands now. (laughs) So, which is, (laughs) which, you know, makes it complicated. It was just one of those days you could tell that the French were pissed off that they really wanted to, uh, they probably thought a lot about that last Six Nations game, how they lost in Paris and stuff. You could tell that Hamish Watson was missing, even though the young fella did really well. You could tell that, you know, when the team, I mean, look at Gael Fiku's try. That's Gael Fiku full of confidence. You dummy, you dummy, you overtake two guys, there's an outside space and you still bump off the nine and you score right in the corner. They were full of confidence, you know? So I think at some point when you've got that wave coming at you, it's, it's hard, right? And so I was really impressed with, with with the French performance, I was inc- incredibly impressed with some individual performances in there. I was disappointed by by the general weakness of Scotland, considering how well they can play when, once they're at it. 
how once they skipped that opportunity just before halftime, they didn't have the the experience to realize, Eesh, now we've got to change our game plan. And it was disappointing that moment you mentioned, Benji. And again, you've got like a British Lions outside center trying to link with one of the best outside backs in the world with Stuart Hogg. And again, it could have been so different, but I honestly believe it would have been papering over the cracks. Again, it was it Maybe. was such one-way traffic. I think there's some days in rugby where, and again, I feel bad for Hoggy like, having to go to press conferences and talk about it straight off. Like, it must be horrendous. But there are some days when you finish, you have to hold your hands up and say, we came second, like complete second against a team that was far better. Far better in terms of athletes, performance, what they did, and far better organized and tactically got it spot on on the day and we just completely missed. And somebody should have told you your hand up and admit that. And I think that's exactly what happened today. I think that's probably one of the worst, like you mentioned, Benji, the disappointment you feel as well. It's one of the worst performances they've had in two, three seasons, considering some of the big dogs they've shot down. Again, they'll be massively disappointed, the manner of it as well, because it was emphatic. Johnny, we've touched on it several times already, but you were there in the stadium. Uh, how big was that Stuart Hodd drop? And... Benji mentioned Chris Harris could have gone through the hands. Was it just simple as he should have took it or could they have done things differently? It's very easy for us. But the lift that it again, because it wasn't easy to watch the first half. Um, it was almost like the English first half in the, in, in the first round of the competition. France were in control, but that was one moment. There was one broken tackle running out from deep. It worked. It was a big break in play from Duhan van der Merve. And, and that was it. It lifted everyone. It got them to their feet. And you thought, this is it. This is our moment. We're going to get back into the game and there could be a break. And again, there's, there's essentially a four on one. You've got Skewman in support. You've got Ali Price, who's tucked. And Hoggy is the biggest furthest pass. And I remember getting like bollocked. One of my, I think it was Andy Robinson. Chuck, I chucked a, like a miss three. Um, out to one of our wingers. I think it was Tom Evans. I can remember doing the same with Fabian at Montpellier. And he's like, there is no room for mispasses in our game because it's, it's the hardest one to execute. You're not a lion sensor. Nah. <laughs> and I don't have the skill set to chuck those, let's be honest. But that's it. It was the hardest pass to execute. It had to be absolutely on the money. It could have potentially changed a little bit of momentum, given Scotland some confidence going to half time, but it wasn't to be. And it, it was massively deflating because you're on the point of absolute elation I know we could actually get back into this game and then all of a sudden, oof, gone. Um, massive disappointment. So it was a huge moment. It could have been executed differently if he just continued to travel straight, buy some time, use the men around him. You never know, but it wasn't to be. We mentioned in terms of the kicking game, how Scotland perhaps played into France's hands, but also France made 153 tackles, I think, to Scotland, 68. And there was a load of turnovers at the breakdown, penalties at the breakdown. That's clearly an area where France are very strong at the moment. And they clearly love defending under Sean Edwards, don't they? That's the other thing. The fact that they are happy to kick ball away long and ask you to run it back to them, they're comfortable. They know that they are settled. They leave everything in the 15-meter channel, so they're not worried about what's happening out wide. And that's it. Once you have that line speed and you put people under pressure, no matter if it is the All Blacks or Scotland or Ireland, constant pressure. You take away time from them. Ball Carriers get man and ball. They're on the deck. Because you've got positive forward motion and you dominate collisions, everything's more positive for you at rock time. You're moving forward. Scottish support runners are having to work their way backwards to get into rucks, whereas Frenchmen are flying into it and flooding it because they're on the front foot. And once you get that kind of domination, the contact area is one-way traffic. And that's what it was. We saw Scotland time and time again, even in multi-phase, going past three, four phases whilst going backwards, still trying to go forwards by running and passing their way through France. And they got smashed at the contact area. France were absolutely ruthless. And certainly that was the key element of the game for me, the fact that they kicked so well, they were happy to absorb and soak, but so aggressive with their defence and so aggressive with the contact area as well. And they can all jackal. Every single one of those boys, you talked about Julien Marchand, Sirabai, Aldrit, Jalange, every single one in that pack can jackal, as can their backline. So they were absolutely ruthless. They pinched so much ball. I mean, the tries scored off turnover were insane. The, the kind of stuff that you dream about watching, that you dream about being part of in a, in a performance. So mate, they were absolutely ruthless and unbelievable to watch. I just want to touch on the mental side. And I promise I'm not saying this to be horrible because you've both won more Six Nations games away from home than me. But neither of you won very many, did you? It's tough to go away from home and win. This France side are doing it now. They've uh, they've not won at Twickenham in recent years. But other than that, they've won everywhere. Is that a mental hurdle that this crop of French players just have got over quite quickly, I guess? I don't know if they've got over it, like you said, because they, they did 
um, how do you say, that? Um, fall on their faces a little bit in Twickenham last time they went, where they were, there was a sort of a six, perfect Six Nations after winning in Ireland and after, you know, beating all those those big teams and stuff, and it, it would have been ideal. Now, I'm not sure it's a whole home and away type of thing. They did win in Australia. They they they've won some some big games, but what I love about it is the fact that they're capable of um, handling the favorite uh, sticker. Um, you know, the the the, the bookies back them and they deliver. And that's something that's incredibly rewarding for such a young side because they still are really, really young. Remember, everybody was taking the piss of Fabien Galtier when he um, he got he only took Bernard Lowe, I think it was 31 at the time or whatever, in February 2020. So they still are very young. They're relatively inexperienced in terms of number of caps. It's pretty unreal compared to other teams. And on top of that, they still deliver, even though they've got the the that, that sticker on it, which is pretty, pretty hard to handle. So that that that's it's not so much the home and away, it's delivering under pressure. When people assume that you're going to win is usually where we're absolutely terrible, um, and 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 they seem just to, to thrive on it. And the the symbol of it is probably Antoine Dupont. Like I said to you many times, he's won every single award they can be. Everybody's waiting secretly for him to have a crap game and to be terrible. And then all of a sudden there's COVID, and then he gets injured, and then what's wrong with his knee? He's not really playing anymore. And there's like rumors: is he really really injured, or is he not injured? Is he angry? Is he leaving? He resigns for Toulouse, he doesn't play for four weeks, he plays a shit games against racing, and then he comes back and he smokes everyone against Ireland. You know, it's he really is handling every single title. Best player in the bloody world. I'm not saying he's going to be the best player forever, but it's just his mental side and he's leading and he's captain. You know, you think, surely it's enough. So I think he's he's handling all that. He's soaking up all that pressure, feeds off the rest of the team. Fair play to the coaching staff. There must be something doing something great, right? keeping them uh, under pressure, but also letting them be themselves, uh, building a strong group of leaders around uh, Toto Dupont. So no, what, what, what I love about it is, is the fact that they can stand up when they're favorites and deliver. And to go back to your point about away from home, Tim, like there's certain things, again, when you take the sting out of a game going away from home, and I think the maturity and the pragmatism that this French side show alongside the fact that they can be firecrackers, they can be physically explosive and create absolute chaos. There's certain things like on the base level of test rugby. I remember Dean Ryan used to always talk about winning test matches on the most simplistic level, which would be kick chase, tackle area, territory, and the collisions, contact. And France do all of those things now better than they've ever done them. And, and again, we talked about Toto Dupont, but the, like the star of the team now is the team. It's how they play together as a collective. They're so solid and robust and so hard to break down. And when you, when you cough up ball, they're fresh and they're ready to go and they pounce. So they're so impressive. And I think, that, again, for me, that is why away from home, it, it almost doesn't matter if it's Stade de France or if it's Murrayfield or Cardiff next Friday. Like You wouldn't bet against them at the minute. They're just so together, so settled and ready. It seems like this is their time. It's clearly not an issue for this front side. And in many ways, they're set up quite well to play away from home and they're obviously well coached. Benji, when you played, because there is a stereotype about France and it clearly it, is, it doesn't apply anymore, but for you, did you find it difficult playing away? Was it a coaching thing like Johnny mentioned or is it just one of those things that was a generational thing? I don't know if it was a generational thing. I think we, I wish that there could have been such an emphasis on the French team while I was there. I mean, never forget that we used to rock up five days before, play the first game, after two games, get home, play. I mean, I played on the Sunday against with Italy, I remember. And as a joke, we asked to get the Monday off in Clermont. And I got bollocked by Vern Cotter, who came and get me in the physio room, chucked me out of training. I was shitting my pants. I injured my knee on that Friday. And he's like, ah, sorry, mate, should have rested you. <laughs> Thanks. And I was out for the rest. So there was really a, a, um, there was a clear dis- distinction between the two. There was no you know, general target, everybody together. I'm not saying that's the only reason why they're performing. Obviously, that outstanding generation, well-coached, great di- um, dynamism about it, or di- team dynamics are sensational. But there still is this, this emphasis on you're here for the Six Nations, all of you together, go and have a go. And I think that's, I think that's, that's a great, great, difference about it um the older generation still won some grand slams but a long time ago the old generation still were able to 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 travel but the old generation usually struggled a little bit more to handle the favorites etiquette we loved being the outsider playing the big ones and and causing mayhem you know that was really our mindset we've analyzed the game in great detail but i think i've cracked it what was the difference johnny between this year and the past couple of years you didn't make your phone call to gregor did you (laughs) 
Well, you obviously ain't listening, mate. 100% in line out, I think they did. So clearly you didn't do your job, mate. No. <laughs> um, mate, if anything, it's like they've listened to this podcast and like that guy talks utter pish, <laughs> like do the exact opposite of everything he said. But it hasn't worked. So maybe next time. I don't know. Um, either that or it's that Fabian's on TikTok. And that's what's making up the difference in follow weeks. I've got no idea, but it's going too well for these French boys. They're absolutely flying. I was going to mention that. Did you see him on TikTok, Benji? Are we expecting another dance this week or the oh, week off? Mate, please not. I think that's, that's the only thing that can that can crack it. I mean, there's one side of me who's like, rugby needs to stay fun, needs to stay entertaining. It can get really boring. He's leading by example, by being different. There's another side of me saying, please not now. You know, just like to do it in the off season, just do it just after Six Nations, not whilst we're playing. Do it after we win the Grand Slam. You can go on the holiday, go absolutely berserk. And I would love that. Just not now. No, no, please don't speak about anything else. No more Waffle Gate, no more this and that. <laughs> you know, just stick to rugby. It's too good now. Millennium Friday night. Look at the, how the stars are lining. You'll still have eight day turnaround before you play England the weekend after. I'll, I'll take, I'll take anything. What are you talking about? So, um, I just don't want to jinx it. It would be so beautiful. It would be so amazing. England will definitely try to ruin our, our, our little party and they will be the perfect team to do so because they will not care about not playing and they'll kick it all day long and they'll pick, you know, George Ford at 9, 10, 15 and 12 if needed be, but they'll kick everywhere. So uh, it, it, I like Fabian because he's doing a good job. I'm like, don't mess it up, man. Don't mess it up. And before we move on, you caught up with a few players afterwards Benji mentioned it earlier on didn't you Johnny so were they in presumably they were in good spirits but feet firmly on the ground yeah um, almost I think almost like a job done um, so caught up with Anthony Gillon. he was taking the piss out of me actually it made me feel really old <laughs> he was like you remember you used to give me your boots <laughs> you used to give me your boots again how old do you feel when you like you were giving him your boots because he was the academy guy and he didn't have any boots? How was that taking the piss? You just want to say that you're a good lad and that he gave you that you, you were giving no, him mate, your it made me feel about 100. That That's what piss? it made me feel. Um, and he came up I, like laughing and joking, but I think generally it was more job done again. The same impression from Greg Aldrich, he was out with all his brothers. Um, Ambassador took me along, we had a few, a few beers with him, like nothing crazy. We just had a little place in the grass market and um, with a few drinks, and that the impression was just box ticked move on like ultra professional so they enjoyed it don't get me wrong they had a few beers um in a closed off place in a pub in, in the grass market good crack uh, i think cereal by was doing a bit of singing voice of an angel as well which was entertaining but that was it again just good clean fun but looking forward to next week the next round and hopefully doing something phenomenal and we're saying off the back of the tour to australia last summer the depth that France have created now. And it's been confirmed this week that they're going to go to Japan this summer. So are we expecting a lot more frontline players to be rested again and even more depth created ahead of the World Cup, Benji? What do you think? I don't know, mate. Actually, it all depends on... Um, it probably depends on how the last two games Six Nations go, to be fair. I think there's a huge Toulouse sort of uh, contingent. There's a whole big group of Toulouse guys that are in that, in that squad. So contingent. Like it. So if they so if they so if they all go you know to far in Champions Cup, there's a potential that you're like, listen, you, you can't overwhelm those guys now. But it would be super exciting. No disrespect to anyone, Japan is probably the ideal place because there's a lot of open, fast-paced rugby going to be played, and so you can you know you can you can chuck it around. It is also a proper test of international rugby standards and stuff, just of pure speed of the ball, which would be great. It's a great way also for France to ex- expand their their, how do you say, their marketing reach, you know, once you, hopefully you win Six Nations and you can go and X, Y, and Z. But um, I can't even think to it, really. I just, I just I'm just millennial. You're focused on Cardiff, mate. Yeah. He's nervous. Yeah, no, nervous. Yeah. I, am, I am a little bit nervous, yeah. A good nervous. Just excited. I mean, I think they'll change loads. Like, I think with the team they've got, like they're loaded and there's key positions that they need to, I mean, obviously you go to the World Cup, Antoine Dupont's your first choice. Like there's no point in debating, right. but give him a rest. Like he doesn't need to go to Japan. Like you need to develop. There's other boys that haven't had barely any. Like Max Luku, is he going to get some game time? Baptiste Sarang battling with Toulon, is he going to come yeah. back in? The tens we haven't seen Jalibert because of injury. Antoine Hastoy, like all these guys, I think it'll be really interesting for Fabian. The same way that other teams will need to look and develop depth as well, or they've already built depth like a lot of other teams. So you think you think Johnny, the last time they were forced to build depth was that on to eight um, autumn nations cup, you know, sort of shambles yeah. when you, and they were you play three games. Hallelujah, they did. Yeah. Yoram Moefana, 
rocked up and you're like, who is this kid? And, and Movaka played really well. And Movaka, and then those lots of them, Mwaki would have missed well. shots. Jelon was was barely getting into it. No, no. So it's it, it's a great way of of getting boys back in tracks and seeing getting some minutes under their their belts. However, even if they put a hundred points over two games against Japan. There's only going to be a, a, a barely a handful that can seriously pretend to get into this World Cup because the the seats are getting very very complicated to get. Right, I've got a sneaky feeling it might be coming from Murrayfield, but it's about time we did our meter moment of the week, isn't it? So do you want to give us yours, Benji? My, my mine mine is super easy. The performance of Cyril Bayel Junior Marchand, absolutely out of this world, outstanding. Everything that I like about rugby, they did the hard graft. Julien Marchand on the floor. I think he, he probably turned over at least three three balls in the ruck. Definitely the first one after a couple of minutes. Cyril Bayer was absolutely extraordinary in the scrum and in the loose, carrying everywhere. But the moment, the moment is when you combine then these two guys, and you see Cyril Bayer running the outside in uh, line after. Uh, was it Antoine Dupont's massive break? And he, there's actually guys already in position and he comes from late and his tempo is just so perfect and fluid that he gets everybody go, go forward. Julien Marchand then grabs it around the corner and offsell for Paul Villemse who then scores. So my meter hot moment is just those big fellas being able to use their hands, use their heads and use their feet to actually do really well. And that's the absolute game changer in the French game at the moment. Amen. I don't need to add anything. I think that's absolutely spot on. The pair of them can have it. Again, for shouting the gin and tonics after the game, absolute bonus. Um, <laughs> but a complete, complete performance um, in all aspects of the game. The set phases like you mentioned and then all the add-ons that we'd love to see. Complete rugby players doing everything, taking the ball to the line, ball carrying, tipping the ball on, tackling, jackling, dominating. Um, they were phenomenal. So yeah, absolutely agree. Those two boys can take the meter moment of the week. That was Benji and Johnny's Meter Moment of the Week. And Meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer, recently making over 11 million cooks better with their game-changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth meat probe. You can use it on a barbecue in the oven or in a pan, and you can get your hands on one at meter.com and get 10% off any full-price item with the code FRENCHPOD10 at checkout as well. Plus, for the next week, week and a half, you can be in with a chance of winning a trip to Marcus Borden's UK barbecue school in the heart of Devon with every purchase of an ultimate bundle. Just find the golden ticket and enjoy a day in the smoky, meaty paradise of Countrywood Smoke HQ. For more details and for me with a chance to win, just visit meter.com and look for the ultimate bundle. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Let's have a very quick look at the other round three games in the Six Nations then. Wales and England, you were there. Benji at Twickenham. France have got them both left to play. 
anything to worry Fabian Galtier? I don't want to be too harsh, but Wales, no. Um, clearly lacking of leadership and some top talents. You just, I don't, just don't think they have enough up front and they're going to be dominated by France. It's going to be complicated for Dan Bigger to even get half a decent ball. So, you know what I mean? So a team who's not a lot, a lot of confidence, they're, also, they're always going to be under pressure. And then England, England, I was really looking forward to seeing Manu at, at 12. I was really looking forward to see Courtney Lowe's back at six. Courtney Lowe's look rusty and I, I hugely rate him. And I think he's a monster of a player, but he needed some minutes. Manu pulled up again and they put Henry Slade at 13. Uh, and Daly, for whom Mio is not a 13. It just doesn't, for me, it doesn't work to have them two at 12 and 13. It's just not enough power. Some balls could have been played and Elliot Daly was, uh, Elliot Daly, Henry Slade was using the, the, the boot all the time. He's a great player. I really like him in Individually, but they were just not taking many risks. Um, so overall, quite disappointing. Uh, they had to, they, they basically didn't press on the pedal when they wanted. They just reacted to how Wales came back a little bit fighting in the second half, which is not a sign of a really, really dominant, you know, clearly um, strong side. So Wales, I don't think will oppose much, much threat against France because France are just too high in terms of dynamics and too powerful. England, Give them a couple of weeks of them together. Give them a strong performance against Ireland, which, wow, that will be a big game for them. So let's see if they can win that one first. Uh, and then we'll see. But they will be, I will not, and I'm not trying to, you know, play it down for the sake of it to not jinx it. But they are the perfect, perfect enemy to ruin our party. Because like I said, they will not care of playing the worst game of rugby if they can beat us by one point, and which is fair. And up front, they are a lot more physical than anybody else that we've seen. So always worried about England. But let's let's go to Millennium first. And if you're listening to this, you won't be able to see, but we can see your Leicester Premiership final shirt behind you, Benji. It was a special day for Ben Youngs, wasn't it? You obviously know him. He was a youngster coming through when you were there at Tigers. Any fond memories of him? Only fond memories. Um, he's, he's a top guy. I don't know why, but they call him Lenny. He was 18 or 19 when I got there. He's a lightning quack little nine, um, lightning quick little nine who would just run all day a bit of a headless chicken, really. He would just pick it off the base and just go. And in worst case, I don't know, I'll sort it out because he could sidestep everyone. And here comes my mate, Julian Dupree, you know, pack of fags a day, who hated conditioning, <laughs> wasn't really quick, but knew his rugby inside out. And 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 they got along really well. Uh, so it was a cute combo of every time, you know, Julian was trying to help Youngzy and, and, and try to get him through. And you now both both brothers, both young girls are, are top fellas. A really fun memory of of all those guys. They represent everything I like about Leicester. Uh, cool heads, hard grafting competi- com- competitors uh, on the field, hard trainers, hugely proud of of the club. And I think what he, what he's done is absolutely sensational. Uh, and you got to take a bow and say, mate, this is he's he's in the history books forever, and you can never take that away from him. And I know he's been questioned, and you know he should bring this, he shouldn't bring that. Mate, how many nines can actually control a game? How many nines can 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 decide what to do and how to do it? How many nines have got the full package like he, he, he's he got? I don't see that many. Uh, Randall is quicker than him now. Danny Kerr could have been maybe a bit more sneaky from time to time. But there was a given moment, he was the one that had everything and he still is. So fair play, incredible career, still a lot to, to, to look forward to. But he's done history books and it's well-deserved because irrespective of what you like or not on technique-wise, he's a top human being and that's all that matters to me. And you mentioned it, your mate Julian Dupuy, one Frenchman, had a decent say early on in his career, taught him a few things. As another Frenchman, did you teach him anything, Benji? Me? Maybe (laughs) off the field. Mate, nothing. What are you talking about? (laughs) Absolutely nothing. Um, no, no, if anything, I was trying to pick up his brother's neck who was playing center at the time when I got there. He was big Scott yeah. Gibbs and he got, and he got sent on loan to Bedford blues. And every week he was coming back. like, how do you do it? How do you do it? He was just at breakfast, <laughs> barely turned. And don't get me wrong. He's a stocky little thing. And he was really strong. But I, I always remember that one of the funniest moments we had me, cause we, I got along really well with Julian White and all those, those old fellas. And we were laughing cause young as he was saying, so how did it go this weekend? Said, oh, my neck is better. So how? I didn't want to hurt it again. So I just punched the dude after five minutes. I got a red card. <laughs> he found the perfect solution. I didn't want my neck to hurt again. After a couple of scrum, I just got up and bang, bang the dude. I'll take a week off. That's one way to do it. You know, you two are rugby experts, and I'm sure you've always got your world rugby law book handy, especially you, Johnny. Oh, Italy and Dublin, the situation they found themselves in. Is it, is it right? 
should the law be changed? We, we know why it's there, but should the law be changed or not? I think it'll be looked at. Um, but more importantly, I think everyone watching that game, their heart broke. Everyone was just like, they just don't deserve to be down to 13 and it's not fair. Like nobody deserves that after 20 minutes, like 25 minutes to have to go and play 60 at the Aviva against Ireland with 13 men. But geez, did they give it one. They threw everything at it. They can be incredibly proud of the effort as well. And that worries me again, coming to Scotland next time because they've got <laughs> Scotland and Rome in two weeks time. But again, I'm sure it'll be looked at. I'm sure, again, the outcry on social media, everyone questioning it. Um, a big call as well for the Georgian ref in his first Six Nations game to get it all spot on and follow through. So kudos to him. But it just worries me. Again, Italy will feel hard done by. Um, they actually fought extremely well. Um, they'll be really proud of themselves. Their captain, again, like Lamaro, 23 years old, scrapper McGee, turning over ball, flying up the line. I like, can be so proud of his performance, but <laughs> they'll feel aggrieved. Um, the last team they beat in this competition was Scotland. Yes, I was playing in 2015. Um, and they're going back to Rome at home and they'll feel that they can do a number on Scotland. I mean, that's what it's going to come down to. So, I think everybody's heart broke for them watching them having to go through that and it being played out with the ref and them realising they're going to have to play with 30 men. Like it was heartbreaking. But yeah, it makes me worried now for Scotland in the two weekends time in Rome. So the, the whole reason why everybody got really pissed off about this is because Italy had some um, props on, still on the bench that could have come on, right? So it's, yeah. it's, the rule is if, you, is if you cannot compete in the scrum, then you need to drop lose another player. And so obviously that's pretty normal if you know that all your props are injured. It's not your fault that they're injured. Yes, but it's your fault that you can't provide a decent scrum. So the other team should not be penalized by having uncontested that way. Okay, fair enough. But the problem is there is it's those two hookers. And so everybody's asking me, oh, surely a prop can go to hooker and stuff. I believe that the, the rule should have changed. Yes, not all props can go to hooker. I'll tell you that. But most props can. It is very, very different. Toma Domingo was the strongest lucid I've ever come to, had the pleasure to play against. Uh, an absolute mountain in the scrum. And I remember this one game with Clamo and stuff, during the week he had to be on the bench and cover both. And we did some scrums before, uh, during the week together, and I absolutely destroyed him, but not to the point where I hurt him. It's just he couldn't get in this position. You know, it, it is different. So I didn't hurt him physically. I was barely doing anything to him, but it was just awkward. And it is, it is technically very different. Some guys can definitely do it. It's not a problem of strength. It's like asking Lucic to go tight and vice versa. Some can, some can't. So I think they're just cutting it, uh, how's it, making a rule for everyone and not trying to ask. I think they could change it. And it's potentially it's down to the coaches to be like, well, can he or not? But if the, the guys on the bench were not ticked, Lucic, tighted and hooker, well, it's not the, the, the ref's fault. It's probably the manager's fault who should have ticked every single scenario and think of everything. And we don't know, do we? Because there's a huge safety issue. If, if you like Thomas yeah. Domingo and you're going to fold at every scrum, uh, pff, that's not right either. So it's exactly that the Italy replacement props weren't qualified it's to do it. It's, it's exactly that what you're saying. I think the rule is probably really harsh, but it's there to protect a protect guy, not to be put in the position where he doesn't want to be, especially in a scrum. So that's why the rule is actually a really good one. It's, it's super harsh, like Johnny said, for Italy. Nobody wanted to see it. But if in the end it protected some poor prop's neck, then it's it's very complicated. Now it's just down to all the guys to actually sign probably before the game exactly what positions they can play. And you mentioned it, Johnny, the ref did the right thing. No arguments about the red card either, but there was another incident involving Ryan Bed. And if you saw that one, he could have been in trouble as well. Almost carbon copy. Um, just the one was picked up by the TMO and the other one wasn't. Two that are shoulder to head. Upshot of the first one is it gets reviewed. Italy lose the replacement. Um, lose a replacement hooker to a red card and that's it but Ryan Baird was just as bad um, and I'm not sure it's going to be reviewed by a panel after the game by the disciplinary commission but he could have easily left the field the exact same shoulder to definitely neck area if not head um, but for whatever reason it wasn't picked by the TMO so again Italy will feel hard done by um, they'll feel aggrieved they will feel they've been put through the mill um, and they'll be desperate to bounce back and do something special room for their fans so a massive game for them coming up in two weekends time and the other element of that whole situation is as a sport obviously this is the showpiece the six nations we want to sell it as a product to everyone we can basically and get as many viewers to the sport as possible does that kind of incident sort of turn people off in the stadium there might have been people confused because it's not communicated properly and on tv you might have people turning off thinking 
this is a mess. No, it, it, rugby's way too complicated for sure. I, I was questioning. Well, I know half the rules anyway, but still, when I was with <laughs> the, the captain ones. when he was asking, because yeah. he was saying, you know, he was saying, "Hang on, hang on but we can bring a prop." And and then the ref, even the ref was sort of, no, 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 that's how it is. You need, you know, and he wasn't going through the explanation of things. And you're right, Johnny, he got it spot on, a shit ton of pressure, and he did really deliver it. But still, I think there was a part of him that was just slightly hesitating. And good job he didn't go back and forth. That's when he go, gets into mayhem. But rugby is way too complicated. I'm not, I, I, like, I would put a lot of money that if you press pause exactly at that moment and you did a Q&A in both um, coaching staffs in Ireland, oh, idea. definitely it would have been 50-50 because not everybody was completely certain about it. Everybody knows the rule. If there's no more props that can do the scrum, it's up to you. You drop a guy. Yes. But hang on. If we can bring a prop, like I'll give you another example. What's the, the Wasp guy for England that they're all pushing for him to play who can play hooker in six? Barbary. Alfie Barbary. So if he's on the bench for England, number 18, and he plays back row, can he play hooker? I don't know. I don't know the rule. Yeah. And so yeah. imagine if you had a guy like that on the bench, can you just wave your hands? Hang on, we've got another hooker. We've got one. Him. Can it work or not? I have no idea. Can Bundiaki play hooker? Probably. I don't know. <laughs> but can, can, can you put that? So rugby is very, very complicated. But again, like you said, uh, Tim, if it's there to protect a guy from getting hurt, well, it's probably a good rule. And the only negative to chuck on that is just the completion time of the games because there's so much attention now from referees yeah. and TMOs. It's become so, it's almost become like NFL was to watch 10 years ago is that there's so much time spent watching referees deliberate. And that's the thing, the, t- the completion time for, I think there was two this weekend that were over 120 minutes. Like it's a long watch. So again, if we're going to build our brand and sell rugby as widely as we can, exciting ball and play all the time, make it fun. And again, a good game in any weekend is when you're not speaking about referees. You just don't, you don't have the focus on them at all. We've chatted about all the games. So should we quickly check in on how you're both doing in the Guinness Pint Predictor from Match Pint? <laughs> I think I forgot to put, I think I forgot <laughs> to put my scores in last week. Honestly, that's the reason. <laughs> I must be down. I must be down, right? I must be all over, like down on the Mate. bottom of the chart. I promise you it's because I think I forgot to put them in. Mate, I'm telling you now, it's because you chose Italy to beat England by 35 points. That's why you're down the bottom, because your fat fingers pressed the wrong team about three weekends ago. Really? You have had a bad couple of weeks. We were told, Benji, I didn't know this, but we were told last week that you picked Italy, presumably mistakenly, <laughs> to beat England oh, yeah, by 35. Well, I thought I did the other way around. I don't know. Oh. It happens, it happens. And then this week, like you say, you forgot to put them in, so you're not having a good time oh, in this league. <laughs> it's all right. Luckily for you, Johnny picked Scotland to win, eh? Yeah, mate. Boom, that boom. was heart overhead. Let's be honest. That was my heart <laughs> talking. Stupid. Won't do that again. You're still fifth in the Guinness Legends League, Johnny. So um, is it, are we sixth though? Is Benji six? Is that what we're saying? How, how many of us are? <laughs> no, I must be twentieth or something if I did Italy beating them by thirty points. What am I? I didn't even get oh, that thanks. far down. Oh, I couldn't, that's, I couldn't that's scroll up. Nice. That's pretty nice. Well, he's out. Okay. There's two more rounds to go, all to play for, okay, Benji. Even if, okay. even if you don't win the league, you can still win a pint or two of Guinness. I way. think I'm going to have to have to um, to turn it around. I'm going to have to bet on it- Italy beating uh, Scotland. That's the oh, one. That's the one stick. to turn it. That's the one to turn it around. But that's my only choice. Uh, Benji, you are currently sitting tenth out of ten, <laughs> and I am fifth. You're below Jim Hamilton. That's saying something well, because he terrible. is proper crap at this. He's definitely put Italy to beat England. He's pissed half the time. So he just pressed the wrong buttons. <laughs> I'll do better. We will come to your predictions for round four next week. There's no Six Nations games this weekend, but if you haven't signed up already, it definitely isn't too late to join in. So use the follow week, get involved, download the Matchpoint app, enter our league with the code LaRugby and get your predictions in early for round four to be in with a chance of winning three pints of Guinness as well as other prizes too. You can claim your free pints at over 3,000 pubs across the UK and find out exactly where on the app. Plus, there's another quiz on the app on Thursday with 10 questions, 15 points for each correct answer and up to 15 points for the speed of answer as well. And if you get 200 out of 300, another free pint of Guinness. Lovely. You two absolutely smashed the quiz last time we did it a couple of weeks ago, so we're not going to put you through those, those questions again. But you'll be there Thursday winning your free pint. Let's just touch on the top 14 before we go as well. And Johnny, you were doing Toulouse-Bordeaux, weren't you, for TV? I was. It wasn't a thriller. I'm not (laughs) going to lie. Um, But it was nearly a historic first for Toulouse. 
So they'd lost six on the bounce, bounce going into that game. If they'd lost against um, Bordeaux, that would have been the first time in their history they'd have lost seven games on the trot. And again, our boy Zach Holmes, friend of the show, who's actually moving to Bordeaux, knocked over four penalties. They won 12-11. Um, wasn't a flashy game at all. Loads of youth on show. They were actually the best bit of the game was the youth playing on both sides. But yeah, scrappy affair. But Toulouse will just be delighted, again, to stay sort of in touching distance, try and book a place in the top six. And again, we got chatting a little bit about that with Jalanche and um, Julian Marchand. Who I didn't realise he'd, he'd signed, re-signed to 2028, Benji. Like that is monstrous. Probably the biggest contract I've ever heard of. Um, and they were just said, like, we're not worried. We're going to get back, roll our sleeves up turn it around and we're going to crunch it for the end of the season. So like they're confident. They're not worried. You can just tell these boys coming back. They're on a high with the French side. And there was nine of them in the 23 in the weekend against Scotland. So they were looking forward to getting back to the club and getting back on track. Did everything click for Clermont Benji or were Perpignan just not up to much? Yeah. Clermont definitely not everything's clicking. They've got a proper 10 problem with, with Morgan having to step in. I just think Jono will be very happy with the fact that they finally got a bonus point win, you know, racking up points after some disappointing losses of just sneaking a few dis- um, defensive bonus points from time to time. Uh, Perpignan did not look really, really bothered, but at least, you know, they, they got the points, they did the job done and a little, a nice little clin d'oeil was uh, Damien Chouli getting a proper standing up ovation uh, when, he, when he got into the field with, with his Perpignan jersey. Uh, he was captain when I was there. I think he played at least you know seven or eight seasons for Clermont and did really really well. So it was one of those heartwarming moments where you think, you know, the stadium and the people have not forgotten about what you've done. And Toulon lost at Brieve, Johnny, but have they got themselves a new star in Fiji Sevens International? He can Shutter run. He can run again. I don't know how he managed to break those, but he got over from something like sixty meters. Absolutely phenomenal. Weirdly, though, a lot going around the social media about Toulon. And questions from Bujala, the ex-president, like wondering actually if they get into scrap for relegation, which they are in, if they've got the players to stay up or make it through the Ascension game. So I don't know, it's not rosy. Like it, I, with, with everything that's happening with players leaving, with Carbonell leaving under a cloud, with the president getting criticised, it's not an easy place to be at the minute, I don't think. But why Nicolo? That boy doesn't seem to care. The way he played at the weekend, the amount of tackles he broke and the pace he brought to the game, he was phenomenal. So a bright spot for them. Again, Breve is not an easy place to go. I think it was 17-10, the final score. Um, but this guy is something in the making. I think he's only 22, um, but a phenomenal talent. And definitely watch out for him in the last few games in top 14. He's been superb. They unearthed Joshua Tusova out of nowhere, didn't they, I suppose? So Vianicolo could be a new man to watch, Benji. My, I hope he's not half as hard as as Tui Silva because oh, some guys are gonna are gonna have nightmares for a long, long time. Let's just hope he runs around them rather than runs through them like Tui Silva did pretty much to absolutely everybody in top fourteen. It's it's a pretty rare you know fact to say. Yeah, I've probably I bumped off ninety five percent of top fourteen. You know that's just what I do for a living. But uh, no hot hot prospect. Uh, Toulon desperately needing. Um, Julian Dupree, Franck Azema, Sergio Parisse, loads of mates in Toulon. I'm desperate for them to do better because it's a proper institution of, of uh, French rugby. And you do not want to see such an institution going down to a barrage game of you don't know what's going to happen in the last no. minute. So let's just hope that kid keeps on scoring tries and that they go back to winning ways. Thanks, Benji. Thanks, Johnny. And a big thanks to all you guys for listening as well. Make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you can as well. Check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube. And we'll be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, guys. Cheers, Cheers boys. Bye.